Well, hello. Looks a lot different from up here. <laughs> it's nice. I wish everybody could see it from this view and see all the smiling faces. This is my first time being in Nevada. She had to correct me because I, I definitely was saying it wrong. And uh, one of my kids was like, Mom, I think it's Nevada. I was like, no, no, it's Nevada. And of course, I'm a homeschool mom, so I got it wrong. Now I know. <laughs> anyway, um, it's a blessing to be here. Um, I would love to just give you my testimony start to finish, but that would take the whole night. And so I've split it up <laughs> um, into a little bit into each session um, because I, I want to share my heart with you, but I also want to get into God's word. And to balance that, we're going to split it up into all three sessions. Um, and our theme, I had intended to read the poem that she mentioned tomorrow, but I decided, since she did bring it up today, to go ahead and start with that, and then we'll get into our session. Um, I wrote this in a very, very dark time in my life, which I'll share more about that tomorrow. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you'll understand then. It's called He Is. When everything is stripped from me and nothing is as it should be, when I wake up to a new world and life continues still to swirl, he is my all. When people betray in hurtful ways and my heart bleeds out day by day, when I think it couldn't hurt much more and I miss the way it was before, he is my friend. When darkness falls and fears arise and what-ifs crowd my tired mind, when noises jolt me fast awake and every breath seems hard to take, he is my light. When storms keep raging without cease and my heart is breaking piece by piece, when turmoil floods my resting place and I can't even sense his grace, he is my anchor. When decisions loom at every side and no one understands my why, when little things bring overwhelm and I can't sense him at the helm, he is my guide. When sitting with him brings no relief and I can't give him all my grief, when silence fills my quiet time and I begin to doubt his mind, he is my constant. When I feel weak and not enough and tiny things are oh so tough, when I am sure my hope is gone and I cannot, will not carry on, he is my strength. When life isn't fair accurately describes and God is good seems like a lie. When trust is broken in mankind and I can't help but ask him why, he is my truth. When he is finally close again and all my troubles seem to dim, when grace has been there all along and I can finally hear a song, he is my joy. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we're at a ladies' conference, which means there's no men except like one. No, it's kind of random, but <laughs> it's a special time set aside just for us ladies to eat, to shop, to fellowship, but most importantly, to learn about God. And following God is no small task. I'm a firstborn and a rule follower. And that means there's been plenty of times in my life where I wish that following God just came with a, a manual, like a list of instructions, right? So I could just check it all off. Which reminds me of something that happened the other day. My, uh, 
one of my girls, she's 13, and she came to me, and she kind of started whispering, and she was like, Mom, I have a problem. And I was like, oh, dear. You never know. <laughs> I said, oh, dear. She goes, yeah, Mom, that bottle of shampoo you got, it says for dry hair, and I've been washing it wet all this time. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad she was reading the instructions. But, uh, and actually, I was like, you know, I could see why you might think that. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, let's turn our attention to some issues that are specific to us as women. Um, there's no men here, so let's have a little girl's heart-to-heart for the next two days. I want you to hear my heart, and I want you to hear from God. And my prayer is that that happens in the next two days. Tonight's topic, if you have your book that's in your bag and you and you are one that likes to take notes, I will try to make it clear so you can follow along, keep my main points pretty simple. But um, tonight's topic is unwanted, God is my father. Has there ever been a time in your life when you felt unwanted? Yeah, there's an honest lady. Yeah, I think every woman has. <laughs> I think it's something we struggle with um, from the time we're small. When I was a little girl, I remember very distinctly the first time that I felt unwanted. I was about six years old, and my mom asked me to stay up later past my baby sister's bedtime. And she had me come in the living room, and my mom and dad were sitting on one couch, and they had me sit on the other couch. And my mom said, okay, I have something I want to talk to you about. She said, this is not actually your dad. Your real dad didn't want you. So this daddy adopted you. Now, as an adoptive mom, I know a couple in here are also foster adoptive parents. That was not the best way to say it, for sure. There wasn't a lot of training at the time on how to speak to a child about their identity and and adoption. And she meant well. And they talked, I'm sure, longer than that, but that's all I heard. And I remember walking up the stairs to go to bed and just thinking, I'm not wanted? Who doesn't want a baby? And that was the first of many times in my life where I struggled with not feeling wanted. And... Along with not feeling wanted, I think we as women all universally struggle with not feeling like we're enough, right? We're just not not enough. You know, the National Association for Self-Esteem reports that 70% of girls do not consider themselves good enough in some way compared to others. 98% of women feel they have to look a certain way and they feel pressure because of this. In another national study recently completed, the suicide rate among females in the United States is actually highest for those between the ages of 45 and 64 because they don't feel like they're enough. In 2019, there were around six suicide deaths per 100,000 women in the U.S. In another report, more than one in four women in the United States are currently considering a cosmetic procedure, often because they don't feel like they're enough. The National Institute for Health reports that the lifetime prevalence of eating disorders is almost 4% for women. We could go on and on discussing statistics of issues that probably all 
of us have faced in some way or another in our lifetime. And I would imagine that as I was talking about being unwanted or not being enough, something came to your mind, a memory, a trigger, a thought of a time in your life, or maybe right now when you feel like you're not enough. Perhaps you faced abandonment like me. Perhaps you faced abuse. Perhaps you've just heard the whispers in your own mind saying, you're not good enough. So today we're going to look in the Bible at the first recorded unwanted woman. As you might imagine, it's going to come really early in the Bible in Genesis <laughs> because just like us, uh, women have been struggling with identity uh, since the beginning of time. And my prayer is not only that you would see yourself in this woman, but more importantly, that by the time you leave tonight, you would see how amazing your God is. Let's just open in prayer, and then we're going to turn to Genesis. God, I thank you so much for this time, for each one of these ladies, for the hearts represented, for the lives represented, for the families back home represented, for the influence that each one of them has in this world. And God, I just ask that tonight you would just empty us of ourselves, that you would just make yourself known, that you would touch the lives of every single one of us, that you would show us who you are, that you would show us how you view us and how much you love us, and that we would leave here tonight changed. And I ask this in your name. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 16, if you have your Bible. I'm going to read it if you don't, so don't panic. But if you do have it, we're turning to Genesis 16. Now, I'm going to read 13 verses. Stick with me, okay? Because I don't want you to just think this is just me talking. This is coming directly from the Bible. And then I'm going to tell you the story, and then we're going to get to the main points, okay? Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had in handmaid an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. Now let's stop for just a minute because we're jumping in in the middle of a story. And Abram and Sarah have already been promised that they're going to have children. It's going to be a great nation. So they know better than what's about to happen, okay? But they get a little bit ahead of God, actually a lot ahead of God and take matters into their own hands because, verse 2, And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Now there's a whole lot we could talk about in that verse, but we're not going to because I want to get to something else. <laughs> but he shouldn't have listened to her and she shouldn't have told him to sin, okay? Um, verse 3, And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee, I have given my maid unto thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes, and the Lord judged between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand, do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And this is the part where we're going we're gonna to learn. We're going to learn about Hagar specifically. But I wanted you to see the picture here that Hagar had no choice in what happened to her. She was a servant. She was given to Abram by Abram's wife. She became pregnant, which is what they both wanted. And then they 
then they hated her, and they essentially kicked her out. Verse seven, and the uh, let's see, yeah, verse seven, and the angel of the Lord found her, that's Hagar, by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur, and he said, Hagar, Sarah is made, where camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seest me? Okay, I know that was a lot of verses. Thank you for listening so well. But I wanted to make sure you understood the story before we talk about Hagar. So she ends up in the wilderness, kicked out with nothing and expecting a baby. And that's where God finds her. Um, And so point number one, if you're taking notes, the God who knows your name. Who is he? He is the God who knows your name. Did you see in verse 8? And he said, Hagar. He knew her name. And you know what? God knows your name. Every single one of us. Have you ever been, maybe tonight, (laughs) that was me tonight. I only knew the names of like three people when I got here tonight. Um, Now, of course, we're all wearing name tags, which makes it a lot easier to cheat. But I didn't know the names of anyone. And maybe some of you are new like me, and you're like, there's a lot of people, and I don't know anyone. And you feel kind of awkward, or maybe you're an introvert, and you're like, I'm just going to go sit and be quiet and not talk to anyone. Um, but it can be hard when you don't know people, and you're in a crowd, and you're trying to, to, to mingle. It's not a comfortable feeling. Um, and so when we think about our God, we often have him so distant from us that we think, he doesn't know me. And yet, here's a woman, a servant, nobody, abused, taken advantage of, kicked out, wandering in the desert, and God knows her name. And if he knew Hagar's name, he knows your name. And if he knows your name, you know what that means? He knows you. Okay? Um, Point number two, the God who understands your situation. The God who understands your situation. I'm going to look back at verse 9 and verse 10. And the angel of the Lord said unto Hagar, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands, and I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. So not only did he know her name, not only does he know your name, but he knows your situation. Now, I don't know your situation, and you don't know mine. I'm going to talk a lot the next two days, and you're going to learn a lot about me, but I I don't know that I'll ever get all of your story. But God knows. And today, September 22nd, 2023, God knows your specific situation. He knows the details that no one in this room can see. He understands what happens in your past that might have brought you here today. He understands what you're facing in your heart right this very minute. And he understands what 
you need help with at this ladies' conference. And he also understands what your future holds. And I don't know about you, but that gives me great hope that not only does my God know me by name, but he understands the specific nature of whatever I'm facing. And he does for you as well. Number three, the God who sees you. The God who sees you. In verse 11, the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he's, and then it says, um, and he will be a wild man, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. He shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And verse 13, she, that's Hagar, she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. She was the first person in the Bible to name God. And do you know what she named him? The God who sees. So he knows you by name. And he understands the very details and specifics of your situation that no one else knows. But the third one is, he sees you. Have you ever been talking to someone and you're like, hello? <laughs> I mean, you look like you're listening, but you're not, right? <laughs> like, look at me. <laughs> or if you have children and you're like, I need your eyes. You know, I need to know that you're, because why? Because when you see someone, when you really see them, you know them, you're listening, you're paying attention, right? And if we're not actually looking, we probably are tuning it out. And so I love that the way Hagar described God is, Thou, God, seest me. He sees you. It can be difficult for us as women to accept that God created us, designed us, and then equipped us for the very life that we lead. Number four, told you I'd keep my points easy if you're taking notes. <laughs> I like to take notes, and it's so hard when they're like so random. <laughs> and I'm like scribbling through the whole message. Uh, number four, the God who wants you. And this is the title of the lesson, Unwanted, God is my Father. So number four, the God who wants you. I'm going to read from Psalm 68. You don't have to turn there, but if you're taking notes, I'm reading Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains. can be hard for us as women to embrace God's perfect plan for our life. Most of the time, because what we have designed for our perfect plan doesn't line up with what God is doing, <laughs> okay? And so it's like, wait, no, that's not really what you want, because that's not what I want. Okay, so it, again, it can be difficult for us to embrace God's perfect plan for our life. Um, but our God wants us. He wants you, specifically. Each woman here, he wants us. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit, as quickly as I can, and get you up to a certain point in my story. I was raised in a Christian home. Um, I did meet the Lynns at Bible College, where I met my husband. I was 19 when I got married. Um, and we were told that we would probably never have children by multiple doctors. Um, and so that kind of, along with some other life events, led us down the road to start um, praying about adoption, foster care, orphans. Um, it's been in my heart since I was a child. Um, as 
as God would have it, right in the middle of um, some foster to adopt um, journeys that we were on, we ended up expecting our first. Um, and that kind of delayed that journey a little bit. So then I had a girl, and then a boy, and then a boy, and then a boy, and I was very happy because I thought, good, I'm going to have the like 12 kids that I want, <laughs> one every two years. <laughs> this will be fine. I'm, I'm young enough to do it. Um, but after the fourth one, um, God burdened us for that it was the right time in our lives for adoption. And so um, he, our youngest at the time was 19 months when we went to China to adopt a little girl. And the way the China program worked, um, they matched us with a child that was in the parameters that we were willing to adopt, and we got one picture. And I remember when the agency called and said, you have a match. I'm emailing you a picture. And it was like, it was like the equivalent to like finding out the gender on the ultrasound, ladies. For those of you that have had that, only like 100 times more intense. <laughs> it was just amazing. Um, and we didn't get it to like the middle of the night. And I remember getting that picture and just looking at her and being like, this is my baby. I'd never met her. I didn't know anything about her personality. I, I had one little grainy picture. And for the next nine months, ironic how it's like literally the length of time of a pregnancy, but for the next nine months, every day, multiple times a day, in the middle of the night, I would get up, open my email up, and look at that picture. And I fell head over heels in love with a baby I'd never even seen. And then we flew to China, and we um, had a day or two to get over the 12-hour jet lag difference. Um, and then the agency had us go to this um, government building, and they put us in a room. They're like, OK, we're going to bring you your baby. I mean, like the adrenaline of meeting this baby that I was in love with from one picture, <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you. And I'll never forget, the car drove up, and a woman got out, and she was holding this baby, and she, she had, it was a Chinese thing, but she had about 16 layers on. So she looked like a chubby baby. She was really tiny under all of those layers. But she had a bright yellow jacket on, and I could only see the back of her head. And I was like, that's my baby. And they brought her over to us, and I just put her in my arms, and all the love in the world. It doesn't always happen this way. We've, we've adopted four times. It's not always an instant, deep bond. But with this one, it was. It was just as strong as the birth of all my babies. And I was like, I would die for this child right here and right now. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because God loves you like that. See, before you ever even knew he existed, <laughs> he looked down and he said, I'm going to create this woman and I'm going to form her perfectly and I'm going to design her with the personality and the skills and the traits that are going to make her useful in this world. And then I'm going to equip her, and I'm going to place her in the family that she needs to be in. And she's going to grow up, 
knowing that I love her because he wants a relationship with you. Now, from the moment that I adopted Gabby, I loved her. I mean, I loved her before I had her, but she didn't love me. (laughs) I was like this white American who spoke English. (laughs) Okay, so she didn't love me. It took a long time (laughs) for her to really love me. And I lavished my love and my affection and my gentleness and my nurture. And I I fed her and I gave her treats because it helped. (laughs) And candy and toys and (laughs) clothes and shoes. and, And every time she whimpered, I was right there. Like, I'm your, I'm your person. I'm your safe place. I'll never let anyone else hurt you again. And slowly, over the months, she fell in love with me. And last week, she turned 14. <laughs> and, um, and that bond is very deep. But the reason I tell you this story is because if you are here tonight and you're not yet a child of God, you've never accepted his gift of salvation. He loves you with that love that I loved her with even more so because he's God. And he's trying tonight and every day of your life to show you that kind of love and to say, I'm your person. I'm your safe place. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to provide for you. I'm trying to make a way for you. And he just wants you to respond to it. And I'm going to show you how in just a minute, but I want you to see this word picture because it's adoption in earthly terms, is literally, it's heavenly. And if you're here tonight and you are a believer, and I'd venture to say the vast majority of us are, I'd ask you, where are you in that journey? Is God still loving you? And you're still kind of ignoring him? Like, well, I'll make time for you when I have it. Or are you putting as much effort back into that relationship as he is to you? Because to truly thrive in your relationship as a Christian, you've got to be doing your part. It's not one-sided. Okay, I looked away from my notes for a really long time, so give me one second to make sure I'm getting where I need to be. Okay, your Father, God, wants you. Psalm 103.14 says, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. I read this in my devotions the other day, and I read it over and over and over again because I was kind of having a hard time, and these words just stuck with me. He remembers that we're dust. Now, what does that mean? Okay. He made us. He knows I'm weak. (laughs) He made me that way. He knows I'm not perfect. He made me that way. He knows that I'm going to fail him. He could have created us perfectly. He gave us he gave us the nature. You know why? I used to always I'm a rule follower. I told you that. Like I'm like give me the rules and I'll do it. So I'm happiest that way. <laughs> um So I always used to wonder, why in the world would God create Adam and Eve and then stick them in the garden and then give them free will? (laughs) If it was me, I'd have been like, you will obey me. Black and white, no options, okay? That's the way I would have done it. 
But see, God designed us that way because he wants us to want a relationship with him. He doesn't want robots. He doesn't want soldiers who have no choice but to obey him. He wants a relationship with you. So he designed you, created you to worship him, and then said, now I'm going to free you. I hope that you want me back. Isn't that beautiful? Because he loves us so much that he wanted us to want him back. Your father knows you're weak. He knows you need him. And I like to picture the Garden of Eden when God created the very first woman. He made her from Adam, who was made from the dust, and he formed every part of her by hand. Now, if you're like me, and I know you are because I've talked to enough women and I have four daughters and lots of friends, we look in the mirror and we're like, oh, I wish my hair was longer or shorter or thicker. Or, As a matter of fact, I had two conversations about hair today. Right, ladies? And I was like, I love your hair. <laughs> Why won't my hair look like that? <laughs> okay. Or, or, is there a man in here? No. Okay. Or it's like your time of the month and you've tried on 65 things and none of them are going to work because what you need to change is not your wardrobe, it's actually your body. <laughs> Okay, it's like it's, the clothes are not the problem. I'm the problem, right? Or it's your face, or it's your your feet. This this last week, um, I I put it on social media, so I don't mind telling you. Not everyone's gonna look at my feet tonight, but it's okay. Um, I was really dumb and weed eated in a dress and sandals because I was just in a dress and sandals, and I was like, oh, this needs to be done. I'm just gonna do it. Well, I got into a really thick spot of grass and hit ant pile <laughs> and before I knew it they found me <laughs> and then I've got like these goggles on it. it's all foggy I mean I did protect my eyes I did not protect any other part of my body trust me <laughs> and I looked down I, I mean my feet were just like on crazy fire and I was like what well, I can't see anything through these things and I got the weed I'm like I, oh, what is going on and so I'm like trying to figure out how to power this off rip these off and I was literally covered in fire ants and I look like I have chicken pox from like my feet to my knees <laughs> because I've scratched the tar out of them. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> I had packed shoes that were going to cover my chicken pox, but then I didn't really want to wear heels tonight. So I get it, right? We're never completely happy with ourselves. It's a constant struggle for women. It starts when they're little girls. I know because I have little girls. And they're like, what am I wearing to church tomorrow? <laughs> okay, so we all struggle with it. So now get this. Here's God in the garden, and he sees Adam, and Adam needs a woman. The earth needs a woman, right? <laughs> Not just Adam. And God makes her. She's naked. And do you know what? <laughs> she was. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then you know what God said? What did he say? Yeah, he said this is good. Is that not powerful? Because then I like to think this. Every single woman that's been created since Eve is good. Now I'm not talking about your sin nature. Okay, you're a sinner just like me. But I'm talking about you were created. Your physical appearance was created 
good. Because your God designed you, and he can't make mistakes. He only makes beauty. So the next time you look in the mirror and you think, I wish my hair looked like Ashley's, <laughs> just remember that God created you <laughs> with, with what he wanted you to have, and it is good. And then every woman ever created since that first beautiful woman has been handcrafted by our Father, and he declares you good. And then he says, I want a relationship with her. Because remember, that's, that's what he designed the human race for, right? Relationship with him. So he made a way for us broken, empty, frail, hopeless women to have a relationship with himself. And the way that he did that is through his son, Jesus. So he made a way for us fallen, broken, sinful women to have a relationship with him by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And the Bible says in John 3.16, for God so loved, he so loved, he so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so the first way to have a relationship with God is to accept his gift of salvation through his son Jesus. And if you've already done that, then I would ask you tonight, if you see yourself the way God sees you, as wanted, as beautiful, as designed with purpose, as equipped to live the very life that you're living right now, with purpose, and to have a relationship with him. I love this verse. Well, the God of heaven loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for you, to take your place and the punishment for your sins, and he did it because he wants you. You might be unwanted by everyone else here on earth, but my friend, you are wanted by God. And John 10.10 says, I am come that they might have life, but not just life, that they might have it more abundantly. And the abundant life for the believer is found in a personal relationship with God. I wouldn't have a relationship, an active, beautiful relationship with my daughter Gabby if I had not pursued her. So let me give you five practical ways. If you're taking notes, these are these are practical things we're going to pull out real quick. Five pra- practical ways you can have a vibrant relationship with God, assuming you are already a believer, okay? Five practical ways. Number one, this is going to be simple, but I'm going to elaborate a little bit. Number one, worship him faithfully through corporate worship. In other words, go to church, and not just for ladies' conference, Okay? One of the main ways that you're going to have a relationship with God is just going to church. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Number two, spend time with him each day reading his word. Now, I know if you're a lady and you go to church and you've been in a Sunday school class or you've been at ladies' conference, you've been told to have your devotions. Am I right? Right? Okay. Are you like me where every January you start a reading plan and you make it to like the fifth and then you're like 12 chapters behind and you're like, there's no way I'd spend the rest of my life trying to catch up? Anybody else? Okay. I spend a long time of my life desiring a relationship with God and getting stuck on one-year Bible plans. (laughs) Okay? Until I finally realized that God wanted a relationship with me more than he wanted me just reading Exodus. Okay? Okay? Listen, hear me out. Hear me out, okay? 
It's about relationship. Now, there's nothing wrong with reading through the whole Bible in a year or in a month or in five years. Do it. You should. But if you don't have a daily time that you're reading, probably starting out with that, you're just going to quit really fast. Okay, so I'm going to give you a practical tip that's helped me stay consistent in reading God's word every day. And it took me years to get to this point. Okay, so here's what I'm going to tell you. If you go home and you try tomorrow and you fail on Sunday, start again on Monday. Okay, don't get into the I messed up, I can't do it again. Just, just every time you think of it, do it. Okay, so here's what I do. I do it at the same time every morning or evening or afternoon. Pick a time, set a timer, do it, okay? Number two, make it really, really short at first. This is not on the list. This is all under that point of read, <laughs> read God's word, okay? But make it really short at first. If you're not used to having a daily time with God and you decide you're going to do it for an hour, you're going to fail immediately. Just trust me, you will. Five minutes. I'm going to spend five minutes with God every single day. Set it as part of your discipline when you achieve that. Then move up to 10, okay? Once it's consistent, start really small because as you succeed, you will continue. And as you continue, you will long for longer. Trust me, okay? So really short and then make it really easy, okay? So pick a book in the Bible that you like or that you've already had somebody teach through. And if you don't know where to start, I love John. It's my favorite book. I go through it all the time on Instagram. Um, but pick a book that's easy for you. If you need help, talk to a pastor's wife, okay? We're going to give you a really easy book. I'm going through Psalms right now, okay? So I'm going to show you what I do one-handed. Also, tell me when to shut up, okay? I forgot to look when I started. Okay, so this is just... The Psalms for Creative Journaling. It's on Amazon, okay? I go through all kinds of different books, and sometimes, most of the time, I just go straight through the Bible. This is just Bible. It's just Psalms, but it's got blank spots. Can you see it? So I can write in it, and that's why I like it, because I like to write, okay? So here's what I do. I sit down, I open this book, I start reading. When I get something out of it, I stop, I journal, and that might be as far as I get. Sometimes that's three verses, ladies, and sometimes that's three chapters. Okay, this is why, for me, the Bible plans weren't working because I wasn't getting anything after five chapters, or other times I was like, wanted to dig in verse two, right? So the point is a relationship. When you see something about God or you see something about you, stop and focus right there. Okay? Because what's your goal in sitting down and reading your Bible? It's a relationship with God. And if my goal is to sit down and have a relationship with you, I'm not like, oh, I'm sorry, we haven't talked 22 minutes yet. Can you just keep talking? I'm keeping track. Right? I'm like, I want to learn about you. Tell me something about yourself. Or I want to tell you something about me. So you want to learn about God or learn something about you. Then here's what I do. You don't have to do this. That was the other thing that got me for so long. I tried to copy everybody else. So find what works for you. I'm just showing you what works for me because it took me a long time to figure out how simple I could keep it. Then I just open up my journal, whichever one I'm working on. You can actually see how short that is that day. Couple lines. Now sometimes I write five pages, and other times I write one line, because my kids need breakfast. Okay? 
But what's your goal? Relationship. And if your goal is relationship, it's not necessarily the amount of time because we all know that sometimes quality time happens in small amounts and sometimes it happens in quantity and both are good, okay? Get in God's word. If you're not doing that, then I hope you take that from tonight, okay? Go home and start tomorrow morning, five minutes before you come. Do it with your coffee. It's a great way to wake up. Okay. Worship him in church. Spend time with him. Number three, listen to music that encourages a heart of worship. I have built a close relationship with God listening to Christian music. I worship him while I listen, while I sing, and I do it while I clean so that I'm double tasking. (laughs) Number four, talk to him. Pray. Here's another thing. I'm not going to get into this tonight for time. It doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to get down on your knees next to your bed for an hour and a half and pray through six pages of your prayer journal. Now, if you're at that stage in your relationship with God, then do that. But there are some times when all you have is you're washing dishes for the 50th time that day, and the kids are screaming behind you, and you're about to lose your mind, and you're like, God, just fill me with your spirit. Help me to stay calm. Help me to respond in a way that will honor you to my family. Just talk to him. Start there, okay? If you don't have an active prayer time, start there. Then you can build from that into a prayer journal and those other things. And number five, talk about him. When you love someone, it shows, and you talk about it. Did you know, (laughs) have you ever disciplined yourself to talk positively about someone? Yeah, you all thought about somebody you don't like that you had to really work at. I saw that. That wasn't what I had in mind, but that worked, okay? Where you're like, let me dig down really. They are just really a a good person, okay? No. But sometimes we have to choose to think positively about someone, right? We're like, that person really gets on my nerves, but I know that's not the godly response, so I'm going to say, they're really friendly, okay? Well, when you discipline yourself to talk nicely about someone, you feel nicer about them, okay? Because our actions often follow our words, and our words mimic our heart. And so, it's that way with your walk with the Lord. If you're a baby Christian and you're just and you're just learning, or you're a baby in your relationship because you haven't spent enough time with Him to grow, then talk about Him with other people. Because when you talk about Him and you talk about His goodness. You start growing in how you feel about it because you're focusing on the good, okay? So talk about him. So the next time you go around someone, be like, can I, can I just tell you, like, something I got in my devotions this morning? Like, God is just so good. And watch how it encourages them, which encourages you, and suddenly you've got a big encouragement party going on, okay? That's the five things, five practical ways. I'm almost done. Feeling unwanted shapes who we are as a child and who we become as adults. It forms our identity. For me, being unwanted as a child, I remember thinking all through my childhood um, that I didn't want any child to ever feel the way I felt. And so I purposed in my heart that I would make a difference in the lives of every child that God would allow me to do that with. And for me, that meant that I've given birth to five, adopted four, and been foster mom to three, um, and worked in Africa starting an orphanage. So I've had a lot of time with orphans and vulnerable children. And I, I didn't realize till much later 
that that conversation at six years of age that literally crushed me set me on the path to making a difference in the lives of other children. And so feeling unwanted can definitely, definitely play into our identity. But it's important to remember that even though identity is the, the fact of being who or what you are, that my identity is not in whether or not I was wanted by my birth father. My identity is not in whether or not I have the perfect body, the perfect personality, or whether I make everyone in my life happy. My identity is not in my social media followers. It's not in my friends. It's not even in my family. My identity is not in whether or not I ever feel like I'm good enough. My identity is not in the lies that I tell myself every day. And you know it because you tell yourself the same ones. My identity is in the fact that I was designed, created, and wanted by my Heavenly Father. And so is yours. I say to myself, I am unlovable, but God says I am loved with an everlasting love. I say I am weak, but God says he will give me strength. I say I have no purpose, but God says he created me and perfectly gifted me for this life that I now live. I say I am empty, but God says he will make me full again. I say I am afraid, but God says he has not given me the spirit of fear. I say I am useless, but God says he has chosen to use me. I say I am ugly, but God says I am wonderfully and beautifully made. I say I am lonely, but God says he is my friend. I say I am shattered, but God says he will make me whole. I say I am a sinner, but God says I am forgiven. I say I am unknown, but God says he knows the very number of hairs on my head. I say I am nobody, but God says he knows my name. And I say I am abandoned, but God says I am a cherished daughter of the King of Kings. He wants you, my friend. He wants you to come to him tonight just as you are with everything that you carry that no one sees. And he wants you to give it to him. And he wants you to let him work in your life tonight and tomorrow. He wants a relationship with you. And as we close tonight, I'm going to ask you to do something that may be very uncomfortable for you. And if so, I'm sorry. But in the most broken moments of my life, I've come forward at a church like this, and I've sat down on my knees before an almighty God, and I've said, God, just work. Just help me. Mold me. Change me. Make me like you. Sometimes I have no words at all, and I just cry. And he hears me, and he changes me, and I get up from that altar changed. And so Megan's going to come play. I'm going to close in prayer and turn it over to Melanie. And I would just encourage you that if God's spoken to your heart tonight, 
If you want him to work in your life tonight and tomorrow, that you'll just tell him that. You can do it in your seat, but, but you can also do it here. And if you are a lady that's here tonight, and you say, Selena, I heard a lot of what you said, but you, you lost me on the part where you're a daughter of God, where you're a child of God. I don't think I've ever done that. I don't think I know God like that. I want to know God. I want a relationship with him. Then if you'll come, you can do it during this invitation. You can do it after. But if you'll come speak to me, I would love more than anything in the world to just open God's word and show you how you can do that. Okay, let's pray, ladies, and then we'll, we'll have a time of prayer together. Dear God, I just thank you so much for this time, for these precious, precious ladies. I thank you for the opportunity to learn from your word. I thank you that you you know us each by name, that you see us, that you love us, that you want us, that just like Hagar who was lost in the wilderness and you saw her and you met her need, that you're willing and ready to meet the needs of each lady here, that you know the needs of our hearts, that even though we might not have told anyone else, you know exactly what we're struggling with tonight. And I ask, Lord, that you would just work in each one of our lives, make us more like you. Thank you, Jesus.